It doesn't have to be as fancy as you might think. I was a preschool teacher. I used to tutor on the side and I used to babysit. So I had three streams of income coming in. So that was really helpful to me. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan, and mamas, today on the show, we're talking to the budget nista, Tiffany Alicia. I could spend way too long listing Tiffany's amazing accomplishments. She's the best-selling author of The One Week Budget. Her Live Richer Challenges have helped over 700,000 women achieve their financial goals. She's been featured in the New York Times, Good Morning America, and a slew of other media outlets. But you know what's most important for you to know? Tiffany is a positive voice for financial literacy and empowerment. She makes money low pressure and fun, all while giving you a little butt kicking to get you into gear. Today, I wanted to bring her on the show to share with you the power of cultivating multiple streams of income, how it can provide stability for your life, how she expanded her income streams, and where you should get started. There's so much incredible value in this episode. Stick around till the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this chat with Tiffany. Or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Tiffany for our complete show notes and to download your free copy of our over 200 at-home business ideas. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Tiffany, how are you? I'm so glad to have you on the Smart Money Mama show. Honestly, I'm awesome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We had so much fun talking at Mama's Talk Money last year, and I know the audience was really excited to hear from you again. So we heard a little bit about your story. We're going to dive back into it. But I know you've always got a million things going on in your business, so many streams of income. So what's going on right now? What's new? So as if I couldn't add one more thing to my plate, (laughs) I wrote my first children's book called Happy Birthday, Molly Moore. Oh my gosh, that's so exciting. (laughs) So for those who don't know, before I started the Budget Nista, I was actually a preschool teacher for over mm-hmm. 10 years and I have my master's in education. I thought I was going to be like a principal. Obviously, that didn't work out. <laughs> and so I kind of wanted to go back to my roots because I started to think that what would happen if you got age appropriate financial education when you were younger? So earlier or last year, I got a law passed in the state of New Jersey making financial education mandatory for middle school students because New Jersey had a law already for high school students. What an awesome use of your platform to go get that passed in New Jersey. Thank you. We're hoping to like make it, you know, a federal law. And so we're, I realized though, I really wanted the law to include elementary school and, but there's some pushback, but I don't think people understand that if a child is asking you, can you buy me? Not just, can you give me? They already have made the connection. And so, so Molly Moore, um, she's a character that I want to help teach kids what I call age appropriate personal finance. And so at mollymoore.com, you can pick up the book and start to teach your children at the back of each book. Cause the teacher in me knows that parents and sometimes other teachers don't know how to extend the lesson. So I have actually questions and lessons and activities at the back of each book. So you can read it. It's a fun book about her birthday and presents and presents versus family and friends and what's more important. And then at the end, you can extend the lesson. And it's really ideally for ages three to seven, but children younger and older would definitely enjoy it. Well, I'm definitely ordering this book for my son. I got to tell you, there's a few things. I've looked at the pictures of the book that I'm excited about as a parent. (laughs) One, that we're talking about money at a young Mm -hmm. age. 
Two, that the main character's a girl, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and three, that she's a person of color, right? Yeah. It's so hard. You know, I have two boys and we want to make sure we have a broad range of uh, perspectives and representation in all of their of all of their books. And sometimes that's hard to find. So I'm yeah. really excited to add this to their library. That's awesome. Yay! So <laughs> M-A, what I love is that her name is Molly, but like the African country, Molly, M-A-L-I, more awesome. M-O-R-E. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, so honestly, I'm super excited because I just feel like something different to be seen out there to add to like all the amazing things out there already. So you got to tell us, how did you go from preschool teacher to changing laws in New Jersey and writing a children's book and <laughs> being a baby millionaire? You got a lot. This is a long gap there. So tell yes. us what happened. So really, so uh, I always thought I was going to be a, a preschool teacher forever and ever and ever. Then the recession said otherwise, like for so many of us. <laughs> and so right when the recession hit, I was, well, right before I was what I call financially perfect in that I, well, I grew up in a household where my dad, who was a CFO of a small nonprofit, and he was an accountant. And my mom was really good with money. We would actually talk about money almost daily. Even now, when I call him, we're going to talk about finances in some way. He's in his 70s now. Well, he's got to know what's going on with your business. Yeah, he always is asking. And he's always giving advice about stocks and investing and budgeting and debt. And, and so I grew up with that being normal. And so as a result, I kind of became the go-to girl in my teens and in college when it came to my friends having financial questions. But I never thought about it as a business. I was just like, Ask Tiffany what to do with that credit card debt or ask Tiffany how to get out of that bill that's past due. What do you do? And then when the recession hit and we kind of all fell on financial hard times, although times were hard for me as well, I was managing in the hard times. And so people took note like, well, how are you managing despite not having a job and, you know, having a student loan debt and all those other things? And it was because I was leaning on the basics, you know, how do you budget? How do you live under under your income? How do you save? How do you manage your credit? How do you manage your debt? And so I started to help my friends and then they told their friends and then they would come over on the weekends and then they told their friends. And after I knew it, I was like, I don't know. I don't even know you. Who's the connecting person? <laughs> Why am I talking to you? <laughs> How'd you get my address? You know? And so literally every weekend someone was at my house. I enjoyed it a lot. And even when I was still a preschool teacher before my school closed um, during the recession, I did a lot of volunteer work at different nonprofits. Boys and Girls Club, the YMCA, things like that, United Way. And so I find myself that as as I was unemployed, I was looking for what to do next because I told myself I didn't want to be a teacher anymore. I wanted to do something different. So I went back to doing a lot of volunteer work, trying to figure out what did I like. Did I like event planning? You know, did I like organization? And what I found was no matter where I volunteered, I ended up teaching somebody randomly there how to fix their finances. Like you would see me like, you know, setting up for like, maybe we're doing like a party for kids, homeless children. And then me and the person setting up, I would hear them say something like, oh, my credit card bill. And we'd be like putting down the table like, well, girl, you know what you need to do. You need to. <laughs> and kind of like word got out through the, the organizations that I volunteered for. And they asked me to volunteer kind of like more formally. And once I ran out of money, my unemployment ran out. I reached out to them to say, I think I would like to do this and be paid for it. Mm -hmm. And um, the United Way was the first one to kind of come back and say, okay, can you write a series for us? And I did a six week series and I started teaching it in cohort format where it was like a group of people for six weeks. They would meet every Tuesday with me and those people transformed their lives. And they're like, can you do another one? And for like two or three years, I did that with the United Way. And it's what sustained me. I lived really simply. I remember a group of us, a group of friends of mine, we were super broke, even though I was 30. And we were renting a house and each of us were renting a room for 500 bucks a month. So that's how, like, it was really tight. I didn't have a car note because I had bought, like, a little putt-putt years before. 
And so I paid for that in cash, $5,000 cash. So my expenses were fairly low. I'd already lost my house to foreclosure post-recession. And so it was not like, I mean, it sounds all good, but it was really hard times to be in my 30s, no money, living in a room like I was a college student and trying to build this business. And I think I was making maybe like $1,500 a month if I was lucky. And so it was really, really difficult because $1,500, you know, my rent was already $500 and you have to think about all the other bills that you have to pay. Yeah, things were real tight. Yes. If like my parents didn't have that deep freezer and go to church on Sunday, like clockwork, I used to be like, and they're at church. And I would go to that deep freezer. I would go to their house, go to the deep freezer. <laughs> Shopping, I didn't want them to know how bad things had gotten. And so really it was the United Way that was the jumping off place for me because it's where I started to create the curriculum and my system of teaching financial education because I knew how to teach, but it's different teaching adults, obviously. Absolutely. So the thing about visiting your parents' freezer and pulling food out, I got to ask, as you're stepping into your kind of calling here of teaching people about money, how did you deal with such financial struggle happening in your own life? Was there any imposter syndrome going on there at that point? In the beginning, I remember I was afraid to say how much I was struggling because I thought that people would be like, well, why should I listen to you? But I feel like one day I let it slip very early on where I was like, yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm going to lose my house. And I was I remember, I think I was helping someone and I looked at her like, ah, she's going to be like, liar, you know? But honestly, what happened was she was like, oh my gosh, girl, me too. I'm so glad that like, so what are you going to do? And I was telling her all the steps that I was working toward. Like, I'm like, well, first I applied for modification and then short sale. And I realized that she didn't care about, she was actually glad that someone was going through the same thing and actually had some steps. And so yeah. that's when like a light bulb went on and I was like, oh, and that's when I became fully transparent about like, hey, lost my house today. Okay. Credit card debt looking crazy. (laughs) And so, but I realized that people really, they really resonated with that and Mm -hmm. felt like, okay, that you're, you're sharing from a place of, you know, how I feel one afraid and scared. And two, you're actually doing the steps yourself and it's working in your life and you're speaking from a place of experience. So yeah, it was hard in the beginning though. And I feel like following you now, I can see how powerful that is for people who've seen all your success, who are now in that place that know that it doesn't have to always be that way, right? Mm -hmm. And even now, that's why I bring it up over and over, because I want people to understand that, like, I wasn't always here. And it took a long time. It wasn't like, oh, like, you know, we see all these stories about, and then they started their business. And one year later, they were a millionaire. And honestly, it's just, it's hard to take. I'm like, this is 10 years in the game. Oh, yeah. You know? And so I want people to know that, like, it's a process, but- you're going to be here either way. What will 10 years look like? Will it look like 10 years of effort and, and transformation or not? Yeah, I had a fellow entrepreneur say to me a couple of weeks ago that you're going to be an overnight success. You just don't know how long and dark that night will be. <laughs> exactly. I was like, okay, yeah, there we go. <laughs> when people tell the story, they try to make it all pretty and clean. Yes. So when in this journey did you realize that multiple streams of income were important for building wealth for yourself and for all the people that you teach? Can you explain that concept a little bit? Yeah. So I realized when I was doing Mm one-on-ones and I started to do the math and forecast, I'm like, okay. I remember at one point I told myself I need to make $2,000 a month in order to like support myself. And I started to do the math. And I think at the time for one-on-ones, I was charging like a hundred dollars. So I was like, okay, that's 20 one-on-ones. Uh, that's a lot. (laughs) So I, I was trying to figure out like, well, how do I make this work? How do I bringing other income. And so I was literally saying I can do less one-on-ones for more money. 
Mm-hmm. I can do 20 one-on-ones, which is darn near impossible because where am I going to find 20 people, you know, at that time? Yeah. I can find another stream to bring in. And even when I was teaching preschool, I used to tutor and babysit. So I was always kind of having multiple streams. What I realized is that like, okay, if I can teach financial education in a classroom, that's another stream to add to this one-on-one stream. And so that was really like my first, second stream of income, which was aside from the one-on-ones, I'm going to teach in a classroom. And then from there, people in the classroom work for different companies. And they would say, I told my boss about you. He would love for you to come do a lunch and learn or whatever. And I thought, ah, third stream is to do like these one-off speaking engagements. So one-on-ones, classroom Mm -hmm. teaching, one-off speaking engagements. I was like, woohoo. And then what happened is for me will be that somebody will introduce it to me and I'll like, like a light bulb will will go off. Like the United Way, that course that I had written for the United Way, I used to use social media to get people from my city to come and take it for free at the United Way. And I noticed that people from other states would say, where is it? I want to come. And I'm like, well, this is in Jersey. And, you know, it took me a little while. And someone said, well, can you do something for people in Florida? And at first I got excited, like, oh, well, how much is your budget? They're like, we don't have one. And I thought, well, how do I take this class that's um, in person and bring it online? And I started my Live Richer Challenge. And so I wasn't considering doing that for a stream of income. I thought to myself, I'll do the challenge. And it's just my way of giving back to the community. But then the community asked with the very first challenge, can I get it in book form? And I just remember being like, why would you get it in book form when it's free? But they demanded it. Not everyone wanted to. It was like a blog course. Mm-hmm. Um, that everybody wanted to read the blog every day for whatever the next lesson was. So I literally got a designer, paid him like 400 bucks to put all the blogs pretty inside a, a book, slapped it up on Amazon, and it sold $10,000 the first month. Oh my gosh. I, I couldn't believe it. I never <laughs> made, I was like, I'm rich. And then probably we sold like nothing the next month. But, you know, but that first I, month was amazing. And so it was like, ding, 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 another stream. Mm-hmm. So, what I found for myself for my streams and not everyone's streams are like this, that my streams are linked to each other. Yeah. So it makes it easier not having to learn a new skill. Once I realized kind of when I, once I got to the book then I purposefully started to look into the businesses to see how I could pull out another stream. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started my online school because I realized people were growing beyond the challenge and wanted something deeper. And so I started the literature Academy where you can right now it's like $29.99 a month where you could pay that a month. And you get, you know, like just the next level of personal finance. And that's another stream. I do affiliate stuff now, you know, because as you grow your audience, people listen to you. And I realize, like, well, I like this bank or this app or whatever. And so that's another stream. I mean, there's so many. I probably have, honestly, a good 15 streams of income. And even outside your business, right? I think you do real estate a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So I just bought my first investment property last year. Thank you. So the house that I live in now, my husband and I were fortunate that it was a foreclosure. So we got it half the price and we paid for it in cash. And then we renovated it. So we don't have a mortgage. And then um, the city where we live has something called, all cities have something called tax deeds, where they take possession of a property because of back taxes owed. And so what I like about tax deeds is that the city owns it because there are tax liens where the owner can kind of come back if they pay their taxes. But with a tax deed, the city owns it and has taken possession. And so it was $10,000. And so, mm -hmm. and then we found out I bought this particular house. The neighborhood wasn't great, but I knew that they were building a new train station. 
there in a couple of years. And, and so they, they're now like breaking ground now, which is great because where transportation comes in and yeah. the train goes directly to New York City. So you already know. Oh, there's going to be luxury apartments there before you yep. know it. <laughs> it's like a two bedroom or three bedroom, one bathhouse for maybe it'll like when it's all said and done, we'll have put, I think about $180,000 into it and it'll be worth about um, $250,000. But that's $250,000 in its current place. But with the train and everything else, I can only imagine what it'll be worth when that's all done. Mm -hmm. That's going to be an awesome investment. So you have your 10 steps to financial wholeness is what we talked about during the summit. And one of those is creating multiple streams of income. Why do you think that's important for financial wholeness? And how does this feel make you feel more secure in where your business is right now? Well, what it allows you to do, having multiple streams of income allows you to make sure that as things fluctuate, because income can go up and down, that you have some, it's almost like investing, right? So you have some diversity. So you might, I might have a, um, a year where the literature academy is bringing in a lot of money, but the next year it's struggling, but the budget needs to, is equally kind of like going up and down. So as the academy goes up, the budget needs to, my main business goes down. If I just did the budget needs to, then we would really struggle. I would really struggle if I only had one way. Like right now, I don't do one-on-ones anymore. That stream is gone. Yeah. So that was the only stream, it would be a wrap. I don't do the classroom like with the United Way anymore. That stream is gone. And so introducing new streams, it just creates for more financial stability because you have a multitude of ways for finances to come in. And it keeps you kind of like on your toes because you're you're gonna have to navigate in the new world and that people spend money in different ways. Like every five to ten years, things like, you know, people would never buy glasses online before, and now you have Warby Parker. Oh, but then, yeah. Right? But now you look at Warby Parker. I was in the city the other day, New York City. And guess what I saw? A Warby Parker store. Even they're realizing like, oh, online, we're going to have to diversify and also have this in-person store. So if they are doing it, if these billion dollar unicorn companies are diversifying the way income comes in, you could do so too. It, you know, it doesn't have to be as fancy as you might think. Like I said, I was a preschool teacher and I used to tutor on the side and I used to babysit. So I had three streams of income coming in. So that was really helpful to me. I like streams that are related so I don't have to learn anything brand new. You don't have to, you know, but I like streams that are related because it allows me to pull from an existing stream. Like it might seem random that I'm doing a children's book, but no, I was a preschool teacher. I have a financial education company. And so to put that together, I didn't have to learn anything new necessarily for this, but I could put it into some new packaging. And now I have a new, something new to give my audience. And I did the math. If I sell 46,000 books, you know, which is very reasonable, <laughs> right? It's That's- very reasonable to us, but there's some people listening. They're like, 46,000 books. Yes. Where are you? <laughs> right? So I say 46,000 books. And this is why books are so, children's books are so reasonable, 46,000. There are people out there who are going to buy five copies. My Mm -hmm. niece, my nephew, my other niece, you see what I mean? And so it's not 46,000 people, it's 46,000 books. And then like, it might be a school says we're going to buy 20. And then this other, so it might literally be like 10,000 actual individuals that account for the 46,000 books. But I did the math. That's a million dollars in the first year. Wow. Yeah. So when you start to really navigate streams of income, you start to realize that the sky's the limit. One of my mentors, I remember like a stream that she introduced me to was something called SMTs or RMTs. That's a satellite media tour. And that's when Mm -hmm. if you're like an influencer, you're sitting in front of a camera for like three or four hours and a brand, let's just, you know, make up a brand like a a diaper brand and you're a mommy blogger. A diaper brand comes to you and says, hey, mommy blogger, we really like like, you know, your platform. We want you to talk about our diapers on these different like news and media outlets. 
And so they will sit you in a room and the, the media outlets will like almost like Skype in, but it's like a camera. You can't see them, but they can see you. You got a little thing in your ear. You can hear them. And they've already been prompted with like the diaper brand's five questions to ask you. And so it's an ad, but it feels like more informational. Like, Hey, Tiffany, yeah. how you doing? I'm doing good. Like, oh, the price of diapers is really going up, Tiffany. As a financial expert, what do you think? Well, this is why I like diaper brand A. And so it's my <laughs> job to deliver the messaging. And you can yeah. get paid upwards of $50,000 for those four hours. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So, But that's something that's after you've built a really strong platform. I'd never heard of that before until mm-hmm. I started doing them. And you're like, what? I didn't even <laughs> used to make $50,000 in a year, like right. let alone four hours. So there are so many streams that are unlocked once you unlock the stream before it. So that's why it's also critical to, to really dive into streams of income because you will start to unlock higher and higher levels as you master the current level that you're on. That's awesome. So before we dive into how people get started with this, I want to take a quick second and thank our sponsors who helped me make this episode possible. Today's podcast is brought to you by Debt.com. Debt.com offers free expert financial education, self-help guides, and professional solutions to make personal finance and getting out of debt stress-free. If you're feeling overwhelmed by monthly payments or debt balances, but don't know who to turn to, one of their debt specialists can provide a personalized analysis and recommendations on which option may be the best for your unique situation. You can learn more by visiting smartmoneymamas.com backslash debt or by calling their free support line at 844-462-8280 to discuss your options. That number again is 844-462-8280. Debt.com for when life happens. All right, Tiffany. So there's so many people listening that are like $50,000 in four hours. My mind is blown. How do I even start to get on this track, right? What if you feel like you don't have any skills, you don't have a platform? Where do you get started? So one of the things I think when you're thinking about streams of income, so you you likely have your primary job, ask yourself, like, you know, what is it that you enjoy or what is it that you're good at or what are you kind of the go-to person for? That's potentially mm-hmm. a stream. And then, or ask yourself, what did I go to school for? What do I have a degree or certificate or experience in? Because in order to be paid maximum amount, amount of money for this new stream, Having some sort of education or experience in that stream is going to allow for that stream to pay you more money. And it's going to be a lower learning curve to introduce into that stream. Now, here's the thing. You can, like a friend of mine randomly moved to North Carolina and opened up a laundromat. I was like, are you from a family of not laundromat owners? No. (laughs) And now he's got like, in the beginning, the first year was really hard, but now he's got like six of them and he's doing really well. So sometimes your streams can also be multiple of the same. You see what I mean? So like, so my friend Mark, he doesn't have anything else but laundromats, but this laundromat is now commercial and it does hotels. This laundromat is next to an apartment building. This laundromat is more so for, so he just does laundromats, but has laundromats for different uses. So explore even multiplying what you're currently doing. Cause essentially that's what I do with my streams is that my core deliverable is education. I am a teacher whether it's preschool or otherwise. So all of my streams center around education. So the children's book, education, my adult books, education, literature academy, literature challenge, speaking on stage, doing SMTs, those, it's all education. So that is my core. So even yeah. that, that's another way to look at like, well, what is my core deliverable? So maybe you're a nurturer, maybe you're a researcher, maybe you're a writer. So like for writing, it could be writing a book, writing blog posts for people, editing, ghostwriting, you know, so these are all ways that you can make streams. Maybe you are, you're an accountant and you can be like a roving C- CFO 
where you're like, you know, you help small businesses that can't quite afford CFOs. Maybe you do like audits for people, kind of like look at their books. So maybe you teach like basic taxes or basic QuickBooks to small business owners. But do you see like your core deliverable about being a an accountant, you know, can translate into multiple different things? So I want to ask about the difference. Some of these things you named are fall in two different camps, right? There's the like trading time for money side. And then there's the real like power of exponential growth and passive income side, right? So can you break down how do we split those things and make sure that we can ultimately scale? Yes. So the key is, is that in the beginning, most of us do that one-on-one, right? Mm -hmm. So most new entrepreneurs. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm helping somebody one-on-one. And then I thought, okay, what about one to few? One to few. So you have to start thinking about that. So one to few is you in front of a few folks. And then I thought like, well, what about like, so me in a classroom, then you start to ask yourself, well, what does one to many look like? How do I take this thing? That's why you have to be so clear on your core deliverable. Mm-hmm. How do I take this core deliverable of education, of finance, of cooking, of kids, of whatever it is? And how do I take it to one to many? So one to many look like for me standing on a stage and like speaking at a keynote. And then I really, so once you really start to get that and you can kind of jump to one to infinite, but I like to ma I liked mastering the other things because there yeah. are streams in there that I can pull from later. Like at any moment in time, if things got rough, I could do a one-on-one today. I could put yeah. a post out on social saying, you know what? I'm doing one-on-ones. It's going to be a thousand dollars. And I probably be booked all today if I really needed oh, to, yeah. you know? So then I started thinking about one to infinite and one to infinite always going to rely on doing something online. Because yeah. there's an infinite amount of people. So how do I take those things? How do I take the tenants from one to one, one to few, one to many, and bring it online? And so that's why I like mastering those things ahead of time and bringing it online and asking yourself, how does this look for 100,000 people, 10,000 people, a million people? Am I able to do that? So that's my literature academy. Because as many people can come into the academy as possible. We have these courses recorded. It doesn't require this like hand-holding in this way. That So that's what I would challenge your, your listeners to think about is like, what does every stage of what I'm doing kind of look at look like? I mean, you can skip a stage, which is okay, but there's something to be learned from every yeah. stage and mastering that. Even now, I don't do a ton of speaking engagements, but because I've grown my platform, I charge upwards of $30,000. And so even though like I don't do one to many as much, but when I do one to many, I make sure I make the most of it. You <laughs> see make what it I mean? worth it. <laughs> exactly. The reason why I was able to do that because I mastered it on one-on-one. I got mm-hmm. really good at teaching adults in one to few. And so when I did one to many, I made sure that like I was really good on that stage. And that one to many allowed me to sell to one to infinite. So do you see how they kind of built upon each other? Oh, so, absolutely. Yeah. So that's really like the trajectory of like growing this like this multi-tiered business if that's what you're wanting. Absolutely. So I've got three kind of like worries questions that I think are probably coming up for some of our moms right now. So the first is a lot of these are entrepreneurial, right? Is there a way to generate multiple streams of income if you really just don't want to be an entrepreneur? You want to stay in your nine to five? Absolutely. So like I said, so let's go back to preschool teacher, Tiffany. Preschool teacher, Tiffany, this is what I would tell her now. if She was like, I need to make extra money. Okay. So one, you can use your physical self and you know, you can babysit and you know, you can tutor. So that's kind of, you know, you're limited in, in how often I can do that. So that would be kind of like feeling so one-to-one kind of like it's me at work or even one-to-one is me babysitting. And then I could say, huh, I wonder if I could offer more kids. Like on Saturday, parents want to want to like run errands or whatever. What if I had like three or four kids on Saturday that I had like, I had some sort of like babysitting kind of like system because you can have, I think up to five kids 
without yeah. having to like, get like a license or whatever. It does depend a little on your state, but I think it is generally around that much. Around that much, right? So you could do yeah. that and then that's one to few. And you're like, huh, it's the same amount of time required of me, but now I could take care of multiple kids. And the good thing about being a teacher is that there's an inherent built-in safety, right? Yeah. Because you know that teacher's been vetted, like, because, you know, yeah, I, like as a teacher, I had to get like my thumb, you know, I have to give like my fingerprints, background, all these things that they're constantly checking on teachers. So you yeah. know that that's something that's been done already. Um, and you know that they're used to kids all day, every day. So I would look at that. And then as a teacher too, if I was really thinking about like, oh, I really don't want to like look at my, uh, other people's kids on the weekend. What can I do differently? I would say, you know what? What I would say, like as a teacher, Tiffany, you have amazing lesson plans. And I know there are other teachers who are not good at writing lesson plans and would totally buy your lesson plans. What if you can create your lesson plans and put them behind a paywall and people can have access? You know, even better, what if they can pay monthly five, 10 bucks a month, and you're uploading lesson plans every month or every week for like 10 bucks a month, you're uploading it. And that's one to infinite, you know, yeah. and people kind of know like your lesson plans are like the, the dopest, best lesson plans. And so that would require you not to physically have to go somewhere, but to literally do what you're already doing. What's even great is that if you've been a teacher for a number of years, you could pull all your old lesson plans and tweak them and then upload them. If you really want to freak it, then you can say, huh, I teach preschool, but my friend who teaches third grade and my other friend who teaches fourth grade, I'm going to have them put their lesson plans on. And then they, we do a 50, 50 split because people are buying lesson plans for me anyway. So do mm -hmm. you see how that's how like, like a regular person, you know, who doesn't want to be an entrepreneur can create other levels of income for themselves without too much overhead and lift. And do you consider investing to be a stream of income for you? I do, but I like to not think about it because I still am like, the recession left me so scared. And so like, I actually had to hire a financial planner to get out of my way because I was hoarding cash instead of investing like I should. But I do, I do. I, but I just feel like at any moment, I'm like, it could go, it could go. So, <laughs> so I'm always like, because truthfully, like your retirement plan and, and I, I have two kind of streams that I invest in. I invest for wealth and I invest for retirement. And so mm -hmm. how I look at it is retirement is investing to maintain your current lifestyle yep. and investing for wealth, obviously, is to like live better than you're living now when you're older. And so I invest in those two things. So, yes, it is. But I feel more comfortable when it comes to investing, investing in my business and investing in real estate. I feel like those things I have control over. And then I work with my planner to get out of my way about where we're going to invest for like in the traditional sense of investing. I love that you recognize that mental block around investing and knew to go ask for help. I think so many people feel stuck in the hoarding cash place and they're worried about not finding the right advisor or whatever, and then they just stay stuck. So that's huge. But I want to go back. So the second thing our moms are getting stuck on here is a lot of these passive income or multiple streams of income ideas seem to require some amount of startup capital, right? You have to be able to invest to start a website or whatever. What advice do you have for moms that don't have a lot of disposable income, but want to start some other stream? I say information products are always like a great place to start that don't require any money. Like me having someone come to my house and showing them how to budget, that didn't cost me anything at all. Going to the United Way and, and teaching, like except for the gas, and I live close enough that I used to walk. It didn't cost me anything and I made my photocopies there. So asking yourself, like it's if you're wanting to start a dog company, then- Yes, you're going to have to. So asking yourself, what information product could I start with? So maybe it is that you crochet. Like I, there's a young woman now who's crocheting some dolls for me for um, my children's book, right? For my character. And so 
I was thinking about it. I love, she does these crochet alongs where she's being paid to make this doll for someone, but you can pay a nominal fee that she's got like maybe five or six women on the screen and she's crocheting and sewing you. And as you're like, I didn't, I messed up here. What do I do? She gives you like some like, well, you know what? You should do the loop here, pull a little tighter and you're all crocheting together. How genius is that? That's awesome. I mean, <laughs> like, so you're already crocheting or maybe you're making something or maybe you're organizing and you're allowing people in that you're doing the thing anyway, but you're allowing people in to watch and you're giving them guidance. And so that's where I, I would say starting with informational product and information doesn't have to be like, that's why I mentioned the crochet and you could do bake alongs and this is how you cook dinner. There's young moms who are like, honestly, I want to make my own baby food and I don't know how it's like, mm-hmm. Hey guys tonight. And you could do super cheap. So if this was me, I'd be like, look, I'm going to use Eventbrite because I don't know any of these other systems. And with Eventbrite, Eventbrite is a, is a website where if you were going to have like an actual event and someone, you wanted somebody to buy tickets for it, Eventbrite yeah. takes like a percentage of like your ticket sales. So, but it's free for you to set it up. You go to Eventbrite to make an event, cook along, showing you how to make baby food, you know, organic yeah. baby food. And people buy their tickets. And when they buy their tickets, they're giving a private link and you use YouTube. Like uh, YouTube has like, um, what is it called now that YouTube has like, YouTube Live with the private mm-hmm. links, yeah. Mm-hmm. You use YouTube or you give them a private link, even better, because YouTube people can share that link. You give them a private link to your private Facebook page. Because what yeah. I like about the private Facebook page is that in the event, right, when they're signing up, they give you their Facebook um, name or whatever. So on your Facebook page, you can lock the Facebook page and require people in order, to, in order for them to join to answer questions. And in the questions can be like, what's your email? And so you're yeah. looking and comparing like, oh, that's the email from the Eventbrite link. I'm letting Susan in, right? Yeah. And then in the Facebook page, you can then go Facebook Live, which is free in the Facebook page and make your baby food for the people who paid 10 bucks to see that. That literally cost you nothing but time and you were going to make baby food for your kid anyway. I love that. And I'm thinking about all the people selling like, quilting patterns and crocheting patterns on Etsy, that this is like the next stage where you could increase the price a little bit. And that's an awesome, awesome platform and idea that doesn't cost you anything. Imagine you said quilting pattern because upsells are great. Someone who bought your quilting pattern is a what they call a warm lead. This mm-hmm. is someone who's expressed interest in your thing already because especially they it's actually a hot lead because they bought something for you. So imagine they get the quilting pattern via email and in it you say, hey, did you know on Fridays I have class where I can show you how to actually make this quilt happen for an additional, normally class is $25, but because you bought a quilting pattern for the next 24 hours, it's $20 for you or $15 for you. That's awesome. little discount and incentivize them to take the next step. Exactly. All right. So the third thing is busy moms. How do we find time for multiple ventures and make sure we're prioritizing this type of wealth building? So it's hard. So I, I look at my sister. She's got two little kids. She's an engineer and they're four and two. And I'm like, how do you? My kids are four and two and we can barely, you know, get any sleep. <laughs> and so she's getting something done at her house. And so they were here for the last two nights. And I'm like, is this always how it is? She's like, always. <laughs> I'm like, how do you get anything done? And so she creates a clear schedule for them, which they don't adhere to because it was surely 10 o'clock at night and they were still up. Um, but the truth, the truth, which I'm sure like with any, right, every parent, everyone's like, they love to pretend like everybody's kid goes to bed at eight. They don't, right? 
Especially when they're out of their environment in that Andy <laughs> Tiffany's house. Exactly. And they were like, woo! They certainly were having a good time. So, but what I've seen with her, because she was honestly asking, like, she's like, I want to make multiple streams of income. I, I want to be able to spend more time with the kids and not have to work as much. And so what she, she actually took a trading class to learn how to trade. And so she was like, I don't have the excess money for trading. But one thing she is good at is like, so we all sometimes do like a sister sale. where We'll like clean out our closet. I'm one of five girls. So mm-hmm. we started to give her kind of like the clothes that we don't, that are still in good shape, but we don't need. And she sells them on Poshmark. Okay. And then, so she like, you know, when the kids are asleep or in the morning, she'll take pictures of them. She used to do this in like her twenties before the kids that she used to have this little, like, like she would go to thrift stores and like find really great things and like get them tailored and stuff and then sell them to people. And so now she kind of used her ability to like take really great pictures and like merchandise things. So now she takes these clothes, takes really great pictures, sells them on Poshmark. Sends them out, like, you know, make running errands with the kids on the weekends, goes to the post office on, on Saturday, sends them out. And now she uses that Poshmark money to trade, which I thought like, oh, so smart because she was like, where am I going to find the additional income? And she was like, so she took a trading class with um, a friend of mine who teaches, uh, she has this class called Trade Your 9 to 5, uh, Tila. I don't know if you know Tila Holcomb. She's awesome. I have no of her. I've not met her. Yeah, she's awesome. Cause Tila used to be a single mom and traded basically her way to financial freedom. And so she really teaches moms, especially. And so now I'm watching her navigate that. And I'm like, wow. So it's not easy, obviously, because you have to find the time for one. How do you fund the thing that you want to use to fund your life? And so, but she got really creative in that. So is it dinners? Is it like, do you know other moms that like, you know what? Honestly, I would love organic baby food that I see you making and you can sell that, you know, is it babysitting on the weekend? Like, what is the thing that you can use to fund the business or if it needs some funding, but there are ways to do so. Like I said, I've been watching her navigate like, wow, that is so smart. And then after a while, the money that she's making trading reinvested back will be enough. She won't have to do Postmark anymore, that she will make enough money to fund the trading. And then eventually there'll be enough excess from the trading to incorporate that into her life. And then hopefully enough, if she gets really good at it, that she doesn't have to work. She really would like to be home with the kids. That's great. And I love the funding, what you want to do, right? There's so many. And that's the things like, okay, we don't want to babysit forever. We don't want to tutor forever. But if you can do that for a little while to get you going, hugely powerful. Yeah. You could be like, I always think to myself, like on a bigger scale now, that's essentially what I do with the budget needs in my businesses now. I am my own VC. I don't have any venture capitalists. You know, we all know they're not investing in women, especially women of color, mm-hmm. you know, to their own detriment. Absolutely. <laughs> we work. <laughs> Right. For for everyone listening who does not know, venture capital funds startup businesses and venture capital money. I think it's like 2% that goes to women owned businesses. And then obviously even less that goes to women of color. So it's, it's a bad setup right now, but, but yes. go ahead, Tiffany, you're, you're your own VC. Yes. And so like, so when I start, first started the Budgetista, the way I was funding the Budgetista was I was doing affiliate things. That's what I'd learned. I was like, oh, you mean to tell me that I'm sharing this bank and they pay me $25 per person that clicks my personal link? Great. So when mm-hmm. that made money, I put it toward the Budgetista for marketing to raise the profile of the budget Nista to get people to sign up for the literature challenge. And then through the challenge, people were able to get the book. And then because the challenge grew, I was able to now book speaking engagements. And so the budget Nista funded the literature Academy because that did cost money. It yeah. was at least a good, probably $30,000 to like get it up and running because we had to build yeah. a platform and, and things. And so, but I had it because I had, I self-funded through the budget Nista. 
And now the Literature Challenge funds other things. And now the Budgetista is currently funding Molly Moore, my children's book, because I really want that to be a separate company. Right now, Molly Moore doesn't make any money. And so the truth is, like, when people ask me now, like, oh, I want, I always want to write a children's book. And I'm like, well, what's going to fund it? Right. Because yeah. I had to pay my own illustrator. You know, I had to like copies of the book, 10,000 copies of that book was $40,000. Like, mm. where was a company that didn't make any money going to get that from the budget needs to pay for that? You know, so, but I wasn't always there. In the beginning, I was just organically sharing things that I enjoyed online. And then I was getting paid per person that signed up from every link. And that's how I funded myself. That was my Poshmark until I can grow until the business itself could fund itself and then start funding other businesses. So just know that you can start really, really small that I think maybe I was making like, I don't know, a few hundred bucks a month in um, affiliate marketing when I, when I first started affiliate marketing to fund the budget Nista, but it was enough to get my foot in the door with starting the business. So we got one more question before we move into our hot seat, because this is important. And I think that there's so many moms and women that struggle to invest in themselves and they get guilty about putting money back into their own businesses or their own development. What encouragement do you have for them to take the leap and do that to bet on themselves? Here's the thing. There are people who are waiting for you to like shine. Like I thought for me that it was just the people that I was serving, but then I look around at my company and it's largely women and there's so many moms and they're so excited to be here. Once I took myself out of it, where it's like you going after this bigger, better, broader goal, it's not just about you. It's about my ability then to help make dreams happen for other women like me. And so you know, you holding yourself back doesn't serve anyone, not you and not the people that you could help potentially. So if you're someone like me who has a hard time doing stuff just because it's me, like, well, you can make more money, Tiffany. And I'm like, yeah, you know, but it's like, yeah. oh, you can help more people, Tiffany. Then I'm like, let's do it. And so lean into that, that like the better you do, the more people that you can serve. I love that so much. All right, Tiffany, before we let you go, we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. So I'm a huge Harry Potter nerd. So the sorting (laughs) hat is our version of the hot seat where the magical hat reveals something about you. It contains a number of questions about money and life. And I'll pull one question out for you to answer and we'll see what we learn. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. And I love Harry Potter, so. (laughs) (laughs) What house are you in? I say Gryffindor. I'm nervous to take the Pottermore quiz because I'm like, what if they give me something dark? I don't want to be Slytherin. Pottermore quiz cannot tell you what you already know. So (laughs) Gryffindor, I'm Ravenclaw over here. All right. So your question is a good one. We all know the importance of mentorship and sponsorship for career and business success, especially for women. So who has been the most influential mentor or sponsor for you and how did they change your life? So outside of my parents, the most Mm -hmm. important mentor or sponsor for me has been, um, her name is Lynette Calfani-Cox. She has a company called, she's the money coach. Okay. So she's a woman of color. And before I started, she was like, you know, who you would see as far as women of color in finance. And I mean, she's like been on, you know, a Good Morning America Today show. But what most impressed me about Lynette is her willingness to give. She's not just a mentor, which you don't often get. She's a mentor and a sponsor. So to make the distinction, a mentor is like, I I go before you, I give you advice. A sponsor is I put you on. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I actually met her in person, she put me on and I couldn't believe I was at a um, a conference and I couldn't believe I was meeting her in person. I was so, super excited, asking her all these questions. She lives in New Jersey as well. We were in New York and she said, how are you getting back home? And I said, I took the train and she said, well, I drove. Do you want to drive with me? You know, we live very close to each other. I didn't realize. And I said, oh, sure. <laughs> so in that car, she was just giving me all this great advice. And she asked me, I'll never forget. Have you ever been on TV? 
And I was like, no. She's like, do you want to be? I was like, yes. I think so. <laughs> I know. Because it was like 10 years ago. And she was like, hold on. Made a phone call. She was supposed to be on this local, it's called Pix 11 News in New York. But mm-hmm. what you have to understand about New York is that being on local New York TV is like being on national TV in other places because New yeah. York is the number one market. It's like getting a C at Harvard. And so she was like, oh, hey, to the producer. Hey, whatever the producer's name is. I know I'm supposed to come on and talk, but I have somebody who is amazing. I can't make it. Her name is Tiffany. Aliche, right? Aliche. I'm like, <laughs> she's amazing. She's going to kill it. So can she come on next week instead for me to talk about credit? And I'm like, and she's like, yeah, yeah, sure. Like that. That's what you think the person. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't believe it. And I'm like, Linda, I've never been on TV. I don't know what to say. She's like, I'm going to coach you. And she coached me in the car. I took so many notes. And she said the day before, call me. We spoke on the phone for like two or three hours. She coached me so well. She was like, when you walk in the doors, there's going to be yellow trim. You're going to meet the guard. His name is Jeffrey. Be nice to Jeffrey. You're going to be, I mean, like, she. The whole thing. The whole kit and caboodle. So, and still to this day, so transformative in my life. Lynette is a super giver. So much so that you're like, you feel like she's giving you her things, but she's so confident in where she is that she doesn't believe that she could give away something that's meant for her, that she can only share from her excess. And so, yeah, Lynette is like, I mean, she, we call her the fairy godmother. She sounds amazing. She is amazing, honestly. So shout out to Lynette. Yeah. Sponsor, mentor. And I aspire to be that level of giving and serving. Yeah, I I love that. Of like, I hope all the moms in our community find a sponsor, but I also hope they be a sponsor, right? We all have gifts uh, to give back. So Tiffany, where can people find you, follow up and, and follow the Budget Nista and Live Richer Academy? So you can find me. I am the Budget Nista on all platforms, all Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, all the platforms, even TikTok. Even though I don't TikTok because my 13 year old bonus baby, my, my stepdaughter will not teach me. Um, <laughs> she's like, I refuse. <laughs> she will not sponsor you in TikTok. <laughs> and so that's, that's there. The Live Richer Academy is livericheracademy.com. And if you're interested in getting a book, pre financial education book for your baby, um, you can go to molly, M A L I, more.com, M O R E. Awesome. And we'll have links for all of that in the show notes. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This is awesome. Mamas, oh my goodness, how much fun is Tiffany? And how much energy does that girl have? Amazing. Like it's no surprise she has 15 streams of income. While you might not want to build an empire and change your state's laws, Tiffany had so much juicy, important information to share about why having multiple streams of income is important, no matter where you are in life. For her, it started slow, babysitting and tutoring while she was a teacher, then budget coaching one-on-one for friends as she discovered what she wanted to do in life. And things just grew from there. If you want to take anything away from this episode, it's that we all have the skills and knowledge to grow and diversify our income. It may feel crazy and impossible right now, but it's truly not. To help make sure you get out there and start brainstorming ideas for new streams of income, I've rounded up my three favorite takeaways from everything Tiffany said today. You ready? First, multiple streams of income can give you stability. We wish our jobs and our partner's jobs were always super secure and that the paycheck we expect will land in our bank account without fail. But just like Tiffany learned when the preschool she was teaching at closed during the recession, that isn't always the case. Cultivating multiple streams of income means that even if one income stream fails, you have some money coming in from somewhere else. It may not be as much as the stream that went away, but at least you have something. And that's security. Second, find something to fund what you want to fund your life. This line from Tiffany was one of my favorites. Like, wow, 
Maybe you want to start an online business or open a bakery or purchase a course that will help you grow your skills. And that expense seems impossible. You don't know how you'll ever have the money to do it. Well, mama, it's time to get creative. What can you do to fund that dream? Can you sell things you don't need around the house? Take on a few babysitting jobs? Whatever it is, stop saying, I can't do it and start asking, how can I do it? Because there is always a way. Which brings us to our final point. Your earnings potential is infinite. I think sometimes we get locked into limiting beliefs about earnings. Teachers only earn this much. Accountants only earn that much. We base our earnings potential off what we see around us. But you have skills to increase your earnings to whatever level feels like enough for you and your family. Tiffany was an unemployed preschool teacher with a foreclosed home sneaking home to grab food out of her parents' deep freezer at 30. If she can build the Budget Nista, educate hundreds of thousands of women, and launch six and hopefully seven-figure children's books, you can do this. It's going to take work, and success won't come overnight. But if you keep looking for new ways to earn, developing new skills and passions, your possibilities are endless. You've truly got this. Mamas, I want to thank Tiffany again for joining me on the show and our sponsor, Debt.com, for helping make this episode possible. If you'd like to see the full show notes for this episode, with links to Tiffany's website and her new children's book, Happy Birthday, Molly Moore, or download your free copy of our mega list of over 200 at-home business ideas to help you start brainstorming those new streams of income, visit smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Tiffany. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.